What is up, everyone, and welcome to the Bobby Mason Audio Experience. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me, personally. Also, a big shout-out to Educating Entrepreneurs. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Guys, this podcast is created for all of you because, you know what, the world of entrepreneurship is seriously viewed as this glitzy, heroic career with all these guaranteed pathways to riches and success when, just to be completely honest, you don't just snap your finger and bang, have the mansion, have the travels, have all the pretty ladies. That's just not how it works. So in the Bobby Mason audio experience, we actually have real entrepreneurs on the show. I'm personally a serial entrepreneur after starting 15 companies. And essentially this entire show is just about entrepreneurship and sharing our entrepreneurial stories, our life lessons, our success methods, and lastly, really being honest about our royal F-ups. So thank you so much for listening. You guys can find this podcast anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. You know, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good things. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Thank you so much again, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, I promised you a couple of days ago that the old Brady Reese graph would start appearing on the Bobby Mason audio experience and he is here. <laughs> Woo! We're back. Yeah, this is very exciting. This hey, is I know. Popular demand. You guys loved him on Master of the Start. You loved him on Pocket Thoughts. And now he's just going to be a regular guest. Then we can be happy <laughs> and love each is, other. Is this going to be like, this is going to be like our cast? This is our cast of the show? Yep. Okay. Nailed it. The cast we, of the show. We can do that. Wait, I'm more of a, yeah, I'm a background performer, but you know, whatever I can do to support, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Okay, so we were just talking about something. Oh yeah. So you guys are until May 4th. Stay at home orders. Yep, here here in Boston, well, Massachusetts as a whole. Um we were originally we had on the 23rd uh, on the 23rd of March, we had a 14 day stay at home and then they extended it, I believe on March 30th through March for, or through May 4th now. Yep. Jeez. Yeah. Cause we only have it until the 10th, but the 10th I just of saw us April. of April. Yep. Yes. And we probably will be moved, but there's something that blew my mind yesterday in, in Minnesota. Yeah, it's here in Minnesota. They officially shut all pools, all parks, all beaches for the entire summer. So I heard about this. That's crazy. It's nuts. So we, we've been talking about that a little bit out here. It's one of those things where I've got a little, I've got a little insinuation that the government has like, has gotten a little bit more information than we have on numbers, on hospitals, on spread. And there's, I mean, I don't think people just go ahead. I mean, we're, our, our like economy, economy wise, business wise, like we are already get going to get hit hard, you know? So they're not going to extend these guidelines to these like extreme amounts, unless there's some sort of data to back it up. In my opinion, I could be very wrong. Like they might just be saying like, Hey, we're, 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 we're stretching this on just because, but I have a tough time believing that our president right now, who has done everything in his power to keep the economy open and running extended, extended stay at home orders for an additional month, just out of, grand curiosity for himself i have a tough well, time 
I, I mean, like, I think it's really serious, right? Like, I, I get that. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm not downplaying the seriousness. Absolutely. Like, you look at Minnesota right now. I mean, obviously, Minnesota is killing it in comparison to other states. Yep. We only have 860 positive cases, and we have 440 people that are already recovered. So okay. half of our cases are already recovered. Yeah. But think about it. So we have 420 active cases right now, and they choose to shut down everything for the summer. It's, it's crazy. I, yeah, I was just, I don't know. I was just blown away by that. No, no. And I heard, I heard about that, that, that floored me because like Minnesota's in a, in a place, like you said, that's been handling it relatively well. Um, I mean, I mean, very well in regards to other places, but if, if they're going to those lengths, you know, I have a tough time. I think it's stupid that we're doing like state by state guidelines, you know, because the problem is you like, it's not all, it's all, it's not synchronous. So you've got these little states that are popping up. And then once it gets bad enough, it's like, oh, well, we're going to shut down this state. Well, it's like, by that point, you've got how many tens of thousands of infected people that may or may not be symptomatic that are now fleeing to other places, you know? So now you're seeing states shut their borders because of that. That's why I think Minnesota is doing so well, though, because Governor Walls went over the top before we even had cases for the most part. Yeah. And like... I mean, like you think about how over the top he went, we had like a hundred cases and he already put a stay at home in place almost. Yeah. Like, what did you guys have? A couple thousand? Oh yeah. We were over, I think we were at 2000 or so when we got it. I mean, we're over Massachusetts here. I think we've got 10, 12,000 now. Um, and we're, I mean, we're like size wise, we're obviously significantly smaller than Minnesota is. Yeah. So. But we're also Minnesota nice. So, like, we follow the rules. I've heard people have not been following the rules that well in Minnesota. Okay, well, all I know is on the outskirts, it's just dead. If you go to the suburbs, it's dead. I don't know what the city's like. Okay, gotcha. But, yeah, but yeah like, on the outskirts, like, when we're talking populations of, like, towns that have 30 to 40,000 people. Yep, so we're... It's, just, we're, it's a dead zone. Really? And like, you should see it. Like when people are outside and you're walking by someone, like you'll be on the sidewalk and you see groups walk out into the middle of the road to avoid people. That's the same here. People, people yeah. are taking it very serious, which is, which is good. Yeah, it is. And like, the problem is I think we were, we were, our curve had already started to, to go up before people did that. You know, like I, I went to kind of before this, maybe two, three weeks ago, went to Costco and, um, just to get some of like the essentials. Like I, Oh, I'll go get some chicken. I'll get some veggies. Just so like I have it at home, you know? Yeah. And, uh, there might have been 20,000 people in cost. Like, we like, <laughs> half, like, so exactly what we're trying to minimize, right. It's like people in close contact in populated areas, you couldn't move. And I walked in and I was like, I'm not going to be here right now because this like increases my risk to spread this by a hundred yeah, times. So I literally sure. turned around and walked out the door. Like I didn't even go inside. Um, you know but, how the CDC, yeah, did you see that they recommend everyone wear masks outside yeah. now? Yep. You know how I've been telling you that I'm been in charge of helping hospitals get N95s and surgical masks. Yeah. I've just been wondering how, what what's going to happen now that the CDC said something like that, and I know they said comments like we want you to make them at home and we don't want you to take blah blah blah, but 
now everyone's gonna be like oh my gosh i gotta get a mask asap yep that's what i mean for the first time uh i'd say two days ago the majority of people that I saw outside, cause I try and get out and like get a walk every day just to keep my sanity a little bit. Yeah. I'd say the, the more people than not were wearing, wearing masks for the first time up until really? then. Yes. Yep. Um, for up and like that, that we also have 10,000 cases here. So it's a little bit different and we're in yeah. Austin. So like it's a little bit more populated. I think people are um, a little bit more on edge because we've got like, we've got mass gen, we've got Brigham, Brigham Williams, we've got uh, Boston medical center, we've got Tufts and they're all already getting overrun with patients just because. Yeah. They, so I think people see that and they're like, well, I don't want to be part of that. Um, but for the first time, more people than not were wearing masks out. And I was like, Oh, that's a little, that's a little different. And it was exactly because of that. It was all because of, they came out and said, Oh, now everybody should wear a mask. You know, I go on a walk every day too. Haven't seen one person in Minnesota with a mask yet. Not one. Up, up, up until a week ago, that's how it was here too. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, like, hopefully Minnesota can curb it a little bit better, right? Like, you have these oh, places. it already is. It, it like is. We, we went from 70 cases a day five days ago, and we're down to 40 a day. See, but the problem is, like I said earlier, it's not within Minnesota. It's people moving. So as you yes. get these hot spots, you get Chicago, you get New York, you get, you get places like Seattle. People are going to start unfortunately either driving or flying to places that have less of an impact yep. right? um, and that's that's the problem and that that's going to be a tough thing to stop i'm i think eventually i don't know if they can do it or not i guess they can't unless trump decided to do it close borders yeah because i don't know if a governor would actually i they can they do have the rights to close their borders but i don't i think it'd be really hard for them to do it yeah, to pull it off. And I, I'm yeah. not really sure what the l- agreed, like what the legal ramifications is behind that, because like Florida put into place, they've got checkpoints at their border um, so that people from like uh, New York City can't come in and people from um, New Orleans can't come in. They can't come in? I thought if they did, they just got quarantined for 14 days. They, it might it might have changed, but so what their initial their initial plan was because New Orleans had a spike of like a thousand cases overnight because of their Mar- they had a Mardi Gras party, yeah, like two weeks ago. So everybody was trying to get to the Panhandle in Florida because at that point they didn't have many cases. They have a lot of cases now, but they were putting checkpoints all there, um, and there's like there's jail time for for those people too. Um, Florida's in trouble. They handled that like a bunch of morons though. So the pro- yeah, I mean the, the thing is. Once I think once you're behind the curve, it's really tough to to stop this, you know, because you've got you've got really 14 days of people that may or may not be asymptomatic, and they it can they do, go about their daily business. Really, it takes one person at the grocery store to like cough, sneeze, whatever, and the 20 people in there will now go spread it to everybody. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it's crazy. Problem. So one thing that has been bothering me is. I've been reading a lot and meeting a lot of people around here or on walks that have been really mad about the overreaction in quotes to this. Yeah. And I don't care. Like, I really don't care if you have an opinion about like, you know what, this isn't worth closing down the economy for or blah, 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 blah. It's fine to have an opinion, but I really am getting peeved off by the people that have like an insane amount of rage about it. Yeah. And they're always like, this is so dumb we're closing down the economy for a couple of deaths like this is the frontliners jobs they should figure it out and i just sit there okay so i had our caretaker of our building 
come by and um he came up to my door and i was like back away number one <laughs> like oh okay step, he, yeah. and he just goes gosh aren't you pissed off about this thing i was like nope well aren't you taking a huge financial hit i was like yep and he's like well this is just dumb and i was like well I wouldn't say it's dumb if number one, my dad dies on the front lines being a doctor because people are selfish. Yep. I wouldn't think it's dumb if my 90 year old grandma ends up dying. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't think it's dumb if I happen to be that one parent that had their six week old, old die. Yep. Like there was that family in New Jersey. Did you read about that family that lost like four out of the nine people that went to a party together? No, I did not hear yeah. that. Mom died. Three of the kids died. And three, oh wait, it wasn't nine, it was 11. So mom, three kids died. And then three of them were in critical condition. And then the other ones hadn't gotten it yet. They, they, they hosted a party or what? Yeah, I, they were all at a party together roughly three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Dang. Like just a family birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, a gathering. Oh my gosh. That's, that's horrible. Yeah. I can't imagine. And there's, there's more stuff. I mean, that's an interesting topic too, because there's more stuff coming out about um, viral load. So like the longer that you're in, in the prep, like contact with the virus, like the worse that it can get. And I, I'm curious how that's going to play out too. Once we like hear a little bit more about that. Cause that sounds like, a is there actually information on it? Well, that, so not with yeah. COVID, not, not with COVID, but like with standard viruses, like usually viral load is, is a major influencer of like how, how, how sick you get, um, mm. like specific virus. So they're, they're, they're thinking that COVID is, is a similar way. Um, that would make sense though. Right. I mean, you look at the doctors and right. what their death rates are. Correct. And they're that's not why that old. Have, no, exactly. So that's why you have young, healthy, like people, nurses, um, PAs, doctors that are dying on the front lines. And people are saying, well, we didn't think young people and healthy people died before. It's like, well, if you're caring for people in a hospital for 12, 14, 16 hours a day, five, six days a week, it makes sense. You know, like you're, you're constantly taking that in. No, I mean, no matter how much protection you have on, like nothing is foolproof unless you're wearing a hazmat suit, you know? So Gosh, what heroes it, it is. It's unbelievable. I mean, did you hear about New York where they had um, just loads and loads of retired doctors and nurses yeah, that came back. Best. It's, I, I, it's one of the coolest things like that is, that is pure just selflessness, you know, this is going to make me sound like a baby, but it made me cry because I was devastated that I couldn't do anything. Isn't it amazing though? Yeah. And, and so yeah. I went on this thing. Oh, sorry to cut you off. I went on this thing. Gosh, I got to find it. Um, there's this website that's helping that you can help people with COVID virtually. And so like you can hop on and help a bunch of people that are in nursing homes or they're on their deathbeds and can't be visited, or you can help them direct supplies and yeah, volunteermatch.org. If you go to volunteer match, they, they just have lists of things that people need right now that you can do from home. And so volunteermatch.com.org. Sorry. Yeah. And Ashley oh. sent it to me because I was just devastated all last night. I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'm providing supplies for hospitals. I was like, I, I put up a temporary job board that have been connecting people with jobs. And I was like, I'm trying to run some uh, fundraisers for groups in Uganda right now. 
mm-hmm. because they just it's really hard when your economy shut down and you're already living on a dollar a day you starve real quick um but i was sitting there i was like honestly i just want to get the test to find out if i had it a couple of weeks ago so i could just help at the front yep. line somehow you know the antibodies test which hopefully yeah. will be helpful like coming out soon but well that's actually really interesting volunteermatch.org i saw um i did see something about that jimmy fallon is is uh he's currently like doing a show from his house really so, yeah so he's still doing a show and he's doing it from the house i mean they're, they're short and they're like 15 minutes or whatever but he's still like hosting a show every day and uh he had something on there about volunteermatch.org but i, I didn't know that's what it was for that's really cool yeah yeah really so weird. you want to hear something somewhat depressing sure i mean and it's this, about this i was gonna say if um, this is depressing i don't know where we're going so you know we were talking about last week how china's just a bunch of liars <laughs> and obviously more and more reports come out that they're a bunch of liars mm-hmm. um so the supplier one of the suppliers that i was connecting with the hospitals here in the twin cities they have one of their manufacturing companies out of china near wuhan oh man so i talked to him and i said how accurate are numbers over there and he goes well he's like everyone here knows that it's bull crap and yes I don't know if I should be putting this on a podcast or not. I don't know what China, how China reacts to crap. <laughs> I guess, what are you going to do? Yeah, um, he's like, so we have in Wuhan 85 uh, furnaces or whatever you burn a body in to make ashes. Oh, oh gotcha. Great and he fun. said that they have 85 of them there. Yeah. And he said, when I talked to him last week at that point, they had all been running 24 hours a day for seven days straight. And he said, he knows one of the guys that owns one of the crematories and they can do 500 bodies a day. So he said on the ground being there, their math puts it at 42 to 47,000 deaths. I was just going to say, cause I think they, they've got it tallied at like what? 3000. They, where yeah. they stopped that. They have 3000. Yeah, about three thousand, and and he said he said families are currently getting three thousand dollars in hush money not to report their families dead. Really? Yeah. Well, you saw the the uh, cell phone thing too, right? The cell phone article. No. That they in the last like uh, six weeks or two months or whatever they've um, inactivated or whatever you called like removed twenty one million cell phone lines in China. Like just off the map, people that were like over there and just like, ah, I don't need a cell phone anymore. Let's get rid of this. Seems like a weird, seems like a weird coincidence. What? Yeah. yeah. So they're just like, all these people are like active numbers are just completely gone, which has never happened before. But, um, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting stuff. I, I think they're it was probably all COVID patients. No, that's what I thought. I think it was 21 million, um, is the number I had. Oh my monkeys isn't that crazy though okay so all of us three weeks ago were like oh i guess communism is good because you can stop the spread quickly but now all of us are like oh my gosh communism is horrifying because they just (laughs) just shove you under the rug yeah i don't i don't i'm not really sure like i mean obviously it's it's tough to say this but there are if you look on the dark side of it, there's some sort of positive you'd, you'd like to say that if you could shut down all borders, if you could force people not to travel, 
you'd probably limit the disease more than you could do anywhere else. I mean, still, you're still going to get impacted by it without a doubt. And uh, I still don't know if that, that, up, that upside outweighs controlling it and having, having freedom and being able to get the care that you need. <laughs> Knowing that if a family mm. member dies, they can, you can report it and you don't have to just like throw them out the back door and they disappear. Yeah, but you get that $3,000. That's true. Which is, uh, uh, I'm not getting that much money here for Ashley. That's, that's true. What is it? What, what's the number for us? Like 1200. Yep. Um, what in your opinion, cause you know, you're kind of, kind of a doctor, you know, you're pretty smart. That is, people do say that. Yeah. People say you're a doctor. <laughs> With no, no, they just say you're kind of a doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. What in the world? So is the whole goal right now? And I was just thinking about Minnesota, for example, if we only have 800 cases and we keep social distancing based on our trend, we'll be at zero at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we're not going to be at zero, but yeah. you get what I'm saying mm-hmm. is the whole goal now, at least in my mind, I'm just thinking to myself, is it just stockpiling and just getting ready so you can have a second wave and just correct. correct preparation. Yep. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it's two things like, so everybody's seen like the flattening the curve, right? So like, we don't want this big spike that's going to overwhelm hospitals and healthcare providers, and then the, the necessary materials we need to, to care for those people. The other thing is, I mean, if you, if we can hopefully limit uh, the number of people that actually this does spread to, um, obviously the, the death count and everything else is going to be lower. Cause I think this week, if you watched like the CNN, they had a CNN special on, Thursday or Wednesday, and they estimated in the next six months, 240,000 deaths in the U.S., which is, I mean, out, outrageous. Um, I mean, I, if you look at the trend line right now. No, man, no it is. You no, know, yeah, it is. But um, regardless, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's unbelievable. And it could be higher or lower than that, depending on kind of how we, how we react to things and um, that nature. But so from, from what I know and what I've read, and the people that I've talked to, it's just about trying to get as prepared as we can because we don't have the beds we need. And we've talked about this before. We don't have the ventilators we need. And the problem is our healthcare staff can't take care of this many people, even if we did have the beds that we needed. Um, because this is now spreading. I don't know if you guys have gotten to Minnesota yet, but a big thing here in Boston right now is it's spreading through the healthcare staff. So in the last, like, I want to say 10 days, uh, they, or they reported it 10 days ago or something. In a single day, they had over 100 reports of like healthcare providers getting it. And that means 14 days of them not being able to come in. Um, That's brutal. Right. And then the chance of someone else that they pass it to on their staff is probably pretty high, you know, their family, their families, everything. So the problem is if you, if you take out 30% of the healthcare force in the next month or two months, you're going to be in trouble, even if you have the beds and you have the ventilators and everything. So that's, that's a big thing that, that it's all about right now is preparing not just for materials, but for, personnel for everything you know it is a hard it is a hard limbo state that people are in right now crazy so i talked to my dad yesterday and for all of you guys that don't know he's like a medical director at some of the hospitals and whatever else and i was like it was so sad it is i've never seen him break down before and we were talking on the phone. I was like, so what, how's, how are things going? Like, how are you handling things? And he's like, 
he just like broke down. And I was like, what's up? Like, is it the fact that all of our businesses are falling apart? Is it like, what is it? What's the stressor? And he goes, he's like, I'm very used to having to make decisions to keep patients alive. He's like, it's completely different when I'm making all the decisions on how to keep my own staff alive. And he's like, I, he's like, I'm on phone calls 12 to 16 hours a day, just trying to decide with my best possible guess how to keep my staff alive. And he's like, it's just, it's killing me. And I was like, yeah, like that's tough. And then I was also thinking, because I talked to, because I was helping place some mass at the Children's Hospital in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Like they're in this weird limbo because every hospital is essentially shut down, right? Except for ER, like the yeah. emergency room admittance. And we don't have many COVID patients. So they shut down the hospitals, but now they have no, nothing coming in. So they're laying people off. Oh, dang. Yeah. So they're legitimately, everyone's just sitting here in this limbo where we need to make sure we're ready. We're turning our rooms over, but now we have no work. So now we're just laying off our staff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's very strange because, you know, like where it's impacted right now, it's like, makes sense. Everyone is working their butts off, but (laughs) yeah, it's It's strange. How is the, and you probably have a better grasp of this or or maybe your dad does, but how is PPE levels in in Minnesota right now? Um, We're getting a lot better. So like uh, we had a lot of supplies come in in the last week. As of last week, um, the way I explained it, and I think I might've already explained this to you, but like what we're kind of doing right now in Minnesota is you're taking something like Abbott and you're making that like a COVID hub, right? Yeah. And then you're taking all these surgery centers on the side and you're essentially just, you're making some of them, you're turning some of them into COVID beds where you can have ventilators, but you're also keeping some of the other ones open for just emergency surgeries outside of COVID. Yep. Right. So I did some, I was digging in because I was talking to all these guys that are in charge of the supply chain. I was like, so like how many, de- as, of, as of a week ago, I asked how many masks they had at, I think it was Phillips Eye, which is a hospital. And they're like, well, you know, we got X amount of staff and I just looked today and we have approximately 30 masks. And I was like, but we don't even have any COVID patients or anything yet. And he's like, yeah. That's why it's going to be a problem. Yeah. So we're really lucky because if we would have had a curve like you guys are having, yeah. You'd be in we, we had nothing here. Yeah. We had 235 beds with no freaking mass before anything even started. Like, <laughs> no. And unfortunately I think that's the state that a lot of hospitals were in coming into this where they were already at shortage levels, you know, but I have a question for you then is, is it just a shortage because staff don't they don't ever need to use n95s like isn't it rare that you even need to use it well it depends i mean usually when the places that you're using it is um you wouldn't you wouldn't use them in a standard er setting um so you'd use them in in an or things like that surgery because you're trying to reduce the risk of infection things like that so you're you're trying to cover up and and is it only if a room's aerosol or whatever 
know uh and i don't know the i don't know the word for that um but it's it, it is so so one they're just used to operating at a lower level because they don't need as many so they're like oh we have a shortage but like the chances of us getting an influx of 2000 patients over the next two weeks is zero. Yeah. But now that's, that's no longer the case. Right. Um, so you get a lot of places and that's, that's the case very much on the East coast um, is that hospitals were already at a shortage before this. And now they're coming in and they're like, we, we didn't have enough stuff to begin with. And now, I mean, you see people, it, it's unbelievable. Like people are, and these are nurses and people on the front lines are wearing garbage bags, are wearing ponchos, um, for protective equipment are re-wearing masks for three, four days at a time and putting them in a, in a, in a, like a Brown lunch bag, just because they're like, if, if I get rid of this, I don't have another mask and, and you're supposed to reuse it. I don't know if it's every two hours or every so many patients. Every single time you take it off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically yeah, I'm saying, generally, yeah, generally that's what it would be. But I mean, under these conditions where they're lower is supposed yeah. to see so many patients or so many hours and people are using them for multiple days. I'm pretty sure they just made that up to make people feel better. I'm sure. I'm sure they did, but I'm sure they did. But the, the problem is you got, you got all this stuff going on and people in ponchos and trash bags and it's, it's terrible. And, and these people like you had a, a nurse in, in New York the other day die. And she like, she's had a picture two or three days before that of her, like wearing a trash bag because they didn't have enough PPE. Like that's terrible to watch. Cause those are the people that are going to bat for it. Like for everybody, you know? But I, I don't know what you I don't know what you do. The cool thing is you got a lot of companies that are stepping up and, and create and putting all their production towards that, right? So like yeah, they are. Um, uh, like one of the good good examples that I know, and this is just because that's that's my background is is Bauer Hockey. So they they like started making uh, face like face shields. So they just like moved all their production and now they're making face shields. You got a ton of other companies that are doing things like I saw companies that are now just exclusively doing uh, the the face masks. Um, and, and I think that's so, 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 so cool to watch. It's amazing that plants that have the ability after like a week or two weeks to change over and do that stuff. Completely, completely turn their entire operation into something else. Unbelievable. Can't remember. My dad talked to someone check quick to make sure I'm right. But he brought up something about 3M and 3M could technically produce way more than they're producing face mask yeah all right so boston scientific group in costa rica yesterday said they have 4500 manufacturing employees and they were in contact with 3m regarding helping 3m with production of n95 masks and they were told by 3m that they could produce way way more but they just no longer have the materials to make the mass. They're running out of material. Hmm. That's interesting. So it's not even, it's not even on the, it's not even on the, it's, it's almost on the production side before it even gets to manufacturing. Yeah. And I don't think many people are aware of that right now. I definitely not. I, I had not heard that. I mean, it makes sense because those are all the materials that are getting funneled in to be used. Yeah. So someone else is, is someone else is turning their operations into using that. It's less that you have to operate with. It makes sense. I had not heard that before though. Yeah. I just can't believe with all this going on, like how fragile of a state we are all in, like from an economic standpoint, from a health standpoint, like we're, we just had to pay rent for the first time four days ago now. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at companies and companies are screwed. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, but it's just, I was, I'm just shocked at how quickly 
they're screwed. Yeah. It's been, I mean, what it's been since the first like shutdown, it's been maybe two, not even, has it been two weeks since the first shutdown? Really? Yeah. No. Um, and it's going to, I mean, it's going to go on for another month after this. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine what in the world, how many job losses will there be by the end of April for already at over 10? Well, that's what's, that's what's interesting too, right? Because we've had in, in, just to, to t- touch on it really quick, we've had these these massive panic sell-offs in the economy, right? And none of none, the thing is, for the most part, none of that impact has hit the economy yet, you know, of, of companies not operating, of companies not being able to pay rent, of not having people coming to buy things. Like, that's happened in the last two weeks, but like, wait till the earnings reports, you know? When we Quarter think- Quarter two is going to be ugly. Dismal. It's going to be dismal. And that's, and that's what I think is going to be really, like, really interesting, right? So we had this big panic sell-off, and we're still going down a little bit. Um, and we have these little drops, these, this, this huge volatility. What happens when Q2 comes out and it's like, oh, we thought our, our, our production or our sales were going to be at 60%? Yeah, they're at 15%. And also, we can't pay rent on any of our buildings, so that's where we're at. Like what happens then? That's, that's what I'm interested about. Cause we, I think we had the initial panic and like, Oh, this thing's going up for the most part. Um, until I think the, the next big panic and again, my opinion is going to be once the hospitals get overrun, once you can't take more patients in or you don't have the healthcare providers and you see people that are either dying at home or dying outside because they can't get into hospitals and don't have enough hospital beds. I think that's going to be eye opening. So we haven't had that yet in the U S we've seen it in other countries, but I still think people are under the veil of like, well, we're the United States. We'll figure it out. 100%. You know, you know? And, and people, people still haven't come to that realization of like, it doesn't matter that we're the US. We're seeing that we can get over, overwhelmed very quickly. Like you said, like it's so fragile. Healthcare, economy, everything. It's so fragile. And we're what, two, three, four weeks into this. Um, and but I think we've yet to come. To create some hope. That stuff that I sent you, on the markets crazy pretty interesting it is it so is. so this week i had the opportunity to sit on on a webinar with a bunch of people that are 1000 times smarter than me so i never understand how i get lucky enough to be put in those things but basically i i took little snapshots of all of the the slides because i <laughs> needed them and i need to share them with people <laughs> um but they went in depth into basically what's happened and economy like shocks and i just was blown away by the actual numbers where numbers, yeah. i don't know like i didn't know like the great recession the s&p dropped by 50 percent yeah it's it's unthinkable is un- and i didn't know it went up 50 percent in the next 12 months after that yeah like looking at those jumps and seeing how everyone you should look into it it'll show like what happens with economic shock and how people or how the economy bounces back after 12 months. Like there's hope because there are bad things that happen. The hope might not be here until 2021 or 2022, but like there is, and believe it or not, based on the graphs that I sent Brady, we did it. We've done a lot of things significantly differently than other economic crises. Mm -hmm. Like it, it seems as if we're ahead of the curve. Economic, some of our reaction time. Yeah. Yep. And that, I, I don't know, it just blew my mind. So I'm going to, I'm going to share one slide that I thought was really interesting. Cause I don't know if you remember the slide where they, 
went into the difference between the global financial crisis of 2008 and the difference between the global health crisis of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so the difference in 2008, the cracks, there were cracks in the financial system. So there was the over leveraging, there was the massive speculation, there was the compounded derivatives, right? And then the financial institution kind of crashed and there was no, there was no Fed playbook, which we're kind of using now as yep. a playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, stimuli drained by the sharing of up of banks because they didn't have any kind of, well, they were over leveraged like crazy. So banks need to be bailed out. And I don't think banks need to be bailed out right now, at least based on what I know. Yeah, from what, which yeah. is good. Moment, yeah. And then there was severe economic damage and slow recovery because, well, the financial system actually had to repair itself. And like we had to put in new systems and structures to make that repair. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And they were saying the difference is with the global health crisis, like we went into this like massive crash when we had a healthy financial system. Like we were great a month ago. We were the best we've ever been. Right. Yeah. So like the banks are super well capitalized. Um, Corporate balance sheets were doing great. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the crisis basically created just an unprecedented condition. Mm -hmm. And that condition is what caused the spike in job losses and the loss of companies. Yep. So hopefully that it's more of, I don't know how you explain it. Like it's more of an unnatural economy like breaking. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Yep. And hopefully that's different because I don't know, the biggest thing that they said is different about it. We had massive decisive government action like that. Yeah. And if you look at the graph, like we didn't respond to 2008 for like a year. Yeah. It, yeah. So what's, what's, what's really interesting. Cause I, I, that's what I thought that stuff was super interesting. So my favorite slide on there was the, um, the U S the U S bank, tre- like the treasuries, uh, from, from the, the 2008 to what it is now. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I believe it was like 44 billion in reserves versus what it was now is 1.7 trillion. I think it was something along those lines. Yep. 2007, 44 billion in reserves. 2020, 1.7 trillion. trillion. So yeah. uh, what it's like, it's what is that? 40, 50 X, uh, like more, more reserves. Wow. Um, I didn't even is, notice that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought that's, I thought that was really interesting because it just shows like the magnitude of difference that we have economy wise going into this. Now, the thing that's really interesting to me, um, cause I, I think economy wise, we were, we were in a, we were in a great position now, then we were not, it was an economy collapse. This is an economy collapse due to exterior factors. The problem you have now is the slow recovery coming out of it. You know, like tomorrow, even if they lift the, if they lift the orders, people are going to continue to get sick and this is going to really impact things. Right. So mm-hmm. tomorrow they say airlines can fly wherever they want. Again, anybody can come in and out. Delta is not going to say, all right, hundred percent of our flights are back on staff. Right. They're going to say, okay, next month we're going to put 15% of our flights back. Cause they've cut, I think most airlines have cut back like 70, 75% of their flights. Like they just have planes docked on the runway from what I've yep. seen. Um, did you see, to- did you see the picture of Delta's? Yes. By any chance? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
that's kind of that's kind of weird to see just hundred planes just lined up sitting there alone sitting in there. the middle of yep. yeah sitting, yeah it's crazy and that's what like so that's why I think it's going to be really interesting right because in the next two months you might see Delta add fifteen percent of flights and then in the next six months they'll add another thirty percent but it's not like tomorrow or whenever this gets lifted everything's back to normal like people aren't going to be shopping at malls even if the thing is lifted tomorrow. And people aren't going to be back at Disney world tomorrow. You know, like this is going to have a very lingering effect because even once we lift this, we're probably going to get some, not a spike, hopefully not a spike, but the, the cases are going to continue to be high. Right. So that means production for other places is going to be high. That means social distancing because it should probably still occur for the next six, eight, 10 months, you know, oh, social distancing will probably occur until we have a vaccine. And, and that's, that's the thing, right? So like people are still going to be hesitant to do a lot of those things. Now people are going to need to start flying again. So, so that's obviously going to come back. Like people are going to have to stay in hotels, whether they like it or not, but it's not like it's going to go from the 20% of what it is right now back to hundred percent in two months, you know, it's going to be this super, super slow, gradual increase. And now again, this is a hundred percent my opinion, but this is just like stuff that I've been kind of like looking in, looking into. And I think that's what's what makes this really interesting. But I think even off of that, if we just went back to opening businesses, opening restaurants, opening theaters, people have to realize it's not going to just be open. Like things are going to change. Like half of the seats are going to be taken out of a theater. Like yep. half of the tables are going to be taken out of restaurants. Mm-hmm. Naturally, we're going to have to distance. Yep. And if a company is doing half of what they were able to do, it's going to be hard for the market to bounce back like that. Exactly. Like you were saying, yep. right? In over That's, time, like, yeah. And over time, will it get back to where it was? Hopefully for most businesses. Yes. You know, like this the ones is, that survive. That's what I was just going to say. Unfortunately, this is going to put, put businesses under, there's no two ways about it. Um, it, this is going to impact some places, but hopefully uh, we we have enough uh, kind of stimulus into the economy and we, we handle this in a way in which we reduce the number of, of businesses that are going out of business. Because I already read last week that uh, like two Minnesota airlines went out of business um, and we're, we're like three weeks into this. Yeah. And it's crazy. And granted, they're small airlines. I think they had 14 or 16 planes in their fleet, but- it's still like you wouldn't think within two weeks that like our company could go from doing just fine on paper to uh, like, we're done. We're out of business. We're, we're in the red and we're bankrupt. It's that's because the, it's even the opposite beyond that I'm seeing in retail stores and this, I didn't even notice January and February were probably the best months. A lot of these retail stores have ever done in the history of their companies. So what do you do when you're doing the best ever? You're, overstocking on inventory so all these people overstocked on inventory to refill the shelves february and january and february march and april they're getting hit with their accounts receivables yeah so they have a and they have a bunch of bills that they're paying and that's why they are in big trouble yeah it's gonna get a lot worse before it gets better yeah that is i didn't think about that which is like because it's because i talked to a couple retail stores and even bringing up like seedlings like we would probably be in pretty good shape if we didn't just have to buy seventy thousand dollars in product in february to refill the shelves that bill's coming right now in april yeah there's no sales yeah right so that's just debt that we have to pay out 
And it's like, if it was just an average February, it'd be like, oh, we had to get $10,000 in product. We can handle that bill pretty easily. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it is really interesting. And then the, 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 that's too bad. I mean, that's too bad. Cause unfortunately that, that is what's going to put businesses out, out of, out of business. But the other side of the coin that I think we've never seen before, or at least not to this extreme is that we're not having, so in a standard natural disaster, you're, it's localized, correct? So like you might hit a fourth of the country, you might hit a certain area, but, but people can move. Other things are still operating here. It's not just even in the two, in the recession, of 2008 the u.s got crushed right but europe is operating just fine china's operating just fine all these other economies are operating just fine and and did they have reductions in 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 what they had because of the u.s being so bad yes but for the most part they're operating just just as good so a lot of that influx is still like okay the economy can get back on track we've still got like spending coming from overseas we've got all these things that's all done right now, right? So there's no imports, there's no there's no exports for the most part. Um, you've got like Chinese economy, which they say they have it under control, so their their economy's coming back. But all these places in Europe are are so far from having this under control. And then you look at the more third world countries, like you were talking about. And the problem is once they spread there, I mean, they're they got there's no way to control it. Now, the good thing that they have is they don't have the level of, of movement and transportation that, that more developed countries have, which is good because that's going to limit the spread. But the problem is in the areas where you get it, it's going to get bad because they're in slums yeah, they're all right got, next to each other. And you got nowhere to go. Um, but it, it's interesting because you've got, you've got the worldwide economy that's, that's being crushed right now. So it's not you've like- never oh, had a global shutdown. Correct. Correct. And that's, that's the point I'm making. And that's why this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because, okay, well, we can, we can start to buffer some of that back. Cause even tourism places like Disney, well, like if all the U S people can't pay to go to Disney, well, a lot of the people that come in are expats, like they're yeah. people from, from Europe or from China or wherever. The problem is Disney's not just going to turn around tomorrow. And even if it opens its gates, it's not like Europe's going to be coming in. They're struggling with this just as bad as we are, you know, like all these places that, that run on that, like t- tourism places and, and even international flights and all that stuff. Like that's not just the U S being impacted. Cause if you took away the U S from Disney or from flights, it's like, okay, they're going to take a hit, but you still got a ton of other stuff moving around. Problem is yeah. worldwide. Like you said, did you realize that the Western hemisphere? Nope. Southern hemisphere. Sorry. Isn't getting hit nearly as hard yet. I did not. I did not know that. It made you wonder if it's seasonal. And and hopefully, I mean, hopefully it is, right? But we're no one knows. That, yeah. And that's the thing. So we're hoping that with increased temperatures that this is um, something that's reactive to increased temperatures. And I think they've done preliminary stuff and they said like this, this thrives under 70 degrees. So hopefully we see that as really. Temp- Yes. Um, I haven't seen that yet. So that was, that was, and again, that was one or two reports. So like yeah. you can go off of that because the first one or two reports we read was like pretty much nobody under 70 gets severely affected by this. Clearly that's not true. Right. Yeah. So um, that's something that people like that might've just been a quick thing of like, Oh, well we tested it in this room, in this laboratory for a day. And it turns out that it's, it's more likely to die under higher heat temperatures. It's not something to go off of, but, Hopefully that is the case, just like the flu is where it's, it's 
its survival rate is a lot lower in, in higher temperatures. And I can't talk much about that because that's not my background is not um, lab biology, but um, we hopefully that is the case, right? With the with the waning, that would be nice, it, right? So like, but then it come back time, in the fall. That's what I was just gonna say. So, and the the likelihood of us getting another spike in the fall is probably pretty high. But if we had another what is that six months from now to prepare for that, it's going to put us in a way different situation, right? Like even if we get this huge influx, we can set up temporary places to take people in. Hopefully we have better ways to treat this. We have a better idea of what this is and like how it, how it does spread and how we can limit that, right? That gives us a lot of time to do those things so that we are, we won't be fully prepared, but at least we have an idea of better, better steps that we can take to manage because right now we're very, I think we're very, we're way too reactive, right? Something happens and it's like, Oh no, well, we we start implementing this. It's like, well, you now you're a month behind it, right? Yeah, but that yeah. is so true when you think about it. Look at how much progress. I mean, it doesn't look like it in some places, obviously, but look at how much progress we've made in two weeks. Yep. Just from like the studies, from potential medications that could improve chances of survival rates, like little things like that. And we're, that's two weeks. Yep. With very little data barely any data because that's the problem is the last thing i mean obviously the research is a huge part right now but the last thing that people are trying to put resources to i shouldn't say the last thing people are more focused on taking care of people and making sure that people are getting the care they need than like let's check off every box of how we're collecting and gathering data because that takes a long time to do right so if they've got resources in the hospital that are usually just like collect data analyze that data um i don't think all the resources are going towards that right now because they're like well we have a hundred other things that we need to worry about that looks pretty bad if you decide to focus on data when you got a bunch of patients that don't have beds and they're dying. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's obviously inherently like it's unbelievably important, but I think the problem is people are scrambling and they're saying we need all hands on deck to do task A. Cause if we don't keep people alive, none of the data matters. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting, it is, it's a social, it's gonna be a big yeah. social you know, but it's also going to be interesting from the standpoint of like, everything will be different after. Yep. Like, I mean, I mean, even when there is a vaccine, I'm pretty confident the way people work is going to be different. Like the way meetings are held are going to be different. The way events are held are going to be different. You know, it's one of those things. And I, that's, I think that's what we don't know. Right. Like I, I agree with you. I think this is going to change the way that we operate. I think this is going to change the way that people operate in public places. I think, I think what a lot of companies are realizing is like, wow, our employees are getting work done. Our biggest cost right now is that nine story, is that nine story building next door. Why do we need that? Like maybe we'll keep a story of it for if people have to come in, have meetings, we have to have clients in, but like that's our biggest cost right now. Um, most, at most times, like our biggest cost is all of our infrastructure, you know? And I think people are going to realize like, wow, we, we work just fine at home or people enjoy working at home. Now, some companies can't do it, do that inherently. And that's, that, that is what it is, but a lot of companies can, what, what else is this going to change? I think this is going to change the medical profession, right? Like a lot, how long does it take you to go in and get a doctor's appointment half the time? It takes you two hours. Sometimes you see a doctor for two or three minutes and it takes two and a half hours out of your day. If I can get on, on Skype, which is what people are having to do now, because pretty much everything that's not ER based is now going telemedicine or phone calls. Mm -hmm. If I can get that done, which is, it's not everything, but you can probably get 70% of things. Hey, I just need my prescription refilled or I need these other, these other like checkups done. That's stuff that doesn't most of the time need to be done in the office, right? 
So like that reduces your risk of bringing, bringing viral infections in, of, of contracting things at, the, at a hospital, at a clinic, because those are usually the most um, unsanitary areas. As, as much as they clean them, that's where a lot of the disease and viral, viral things spread. Um, I think that's going to change a lot. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that thing turns out. And then you talk about public flying. How is this going to change flying? How is this going to change super, super packed tourist areas? How is this going to change malls and movie theaters and bowling alleys, restaurants, you know? It's going to be so weird. All I know is I, I need to save some cash somehow in this time of torment so I can do more co-working spaces because... You think it would spike? Yep, absolutely. I mean, the only reason why it really, why I really became convinced that that's going to be the change, is talking to Brandon. Because when I talk to Brandon, you know, he's at CH Robinson. He's just pretty much lining up shipments all day. Yep. Like before this, CH Robinson's like, no chance you can ever work from home. Like mm-hmm. you just can't do it. It's not possible. Yep. And I was on the phone with him the other day, and he's like, "Oh, weird." My, uh, my manager just sent me an email and he's like, wow, Brandon, that's like the most clicks and most productive you've been like, cause I guess their, their website counts the clicks yeah. at how many things you kind of move. Yep. And he's like, Oh my gosh, 400 clicks. That's an incredible day. And like, I was just thinking to myself when they start looking at the data and they realize that like you were saying, the productivity hasn't changed or yeah. it's gone up. Of course, they're not going to have people go in the office anymore. Yep. Why do you like? Why do you need that thirty thousand square foot space with cubes? Yep, get them I, out it, of there. Yeah, I know it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I think there's there's a, there's um, there's good things that come out of face to face to face interactions, obviously in business and yes. in life, um, and, and that that will obviously need to remain a component of things. But the way the way that things are trending and the way that people like to operate right now is. I want to have freedom. I want to be able to operate where I can. Um, and I want to have the flexibility to, to whether I need to go into the office for two days and, and work out of it. But I, we don't need these giant, massive office buildings that, like you said, are, are cubicles anyways. It's like, well, I'm less comfortable. That's what I, we've, been, our, we've been talking as a team a lot on our end. And it's like, if I need to go out and take a 30-minute break, like everybody's not productive on the same schedule, right? So the eight to four doesn't work for however many percent of the people in the office, you know, doesn't work for me. Yeah, that's exactly. And that's like, I, I get, I'm super productive right away in the morning when I wake up and I'm super productive at night and I get a little bit in between, but I, I do more of my miscellaneous tasks, like in, in, in the, the middle, middle, like late afternoon, maybe like noon to four. So that's not my most productive time. So it's like, if I can go do take a walk, take a break, like take some of my phone calls, do things like that. Um, and then get back at it it's way better than me like sitting at my desk for eight hours, which I wasn't in this situation before, but a lot of people are, you know, where it's like, well, you got to be here for nine hours. You got to be for, here for nine hours. Cause that's the way it is. And I think that's That's going to change a little bit. The last thing that I think is going to change pretty dramatically is those, those single flights places for that one meeting. And then the flight back the overnights. Yeah. There's it's no the, way they're going to do those anymore. The same days. Yes. It's, it's interesting. And that's, I mean, that, what is, that's the entire consulting world, right? Over yes. The, I, I leave at, I leave at 6am for a flight. I get there at 8am. I'm there for the day. And then I fly back at 8pm. That's, that's consult. If, if either that or the Sunday to Thursday trips, but still mm-hmm. um, those, those day trips happen all the time. So much change. 
It is. Um, we we just hit on almost an hour. Perfect. So with that, I think that's a that's a good point, good spot to wrap you all up, huh? Yeah, we'll wrap her up. That's a good one. That was mostly a hopefully I wasn't a COVID depression talk. I wasn't meant to be a dreadful well, talk. It's just no, it's just changes that are gonna happen. You know, that's just what's happening right now. So yes. with things that are happening. Brady and I always try to catch up on what's going on with our lives or whatever's top of mind. And that's just what we do. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, and I, I do, I think it's something to be like aware of, right? Cause the more that we can be um, as a populace ahead of, of what's coming and, and ready for what's coming, I think, you know, people, people hate change. So when things in like three months is like, Oh, I didn't expect this to happen. It's like, well, some of these trends we can see coming, right? Like we can see how some of this is going to happen right now. We're in reactive mode and we can't see what's going to happen right now. But I think it, it, it at least helps set my mind a little bit more at ease. Just even knowing that things are going to change saying like, okay, well, I kind of know what to expect on the other side of this, right? Granted that we get this under control and we start, we take the correct measures and things like that. Cause obviously our, our, our biggest priority right now is um, keep as many people safe and healthy as possible. Right. Um, and then outside of that, I think everything else will hopefully fall into place if we do it right. But, um, and that's the important part to end on. Yeah. We need to figure out the people first and then we'll figure out the economy and everything that comes in behind it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So, well, Brady, thanks man for joining us. We're so happy. Honestly, I'm, I'm so happy because with this Bobby Mason audio experience now, like, yeah, I'll bring in some master start members now every once in a while. But at the same time, most of the time, it's me talking about myself for 10, 20 minutes. I'm sure people to think, Oh, I'm sure they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, this might be one more thing I should just share with you. And you guys can turn off the podcast, but I'm just going to keep it recording now. So yesterday, I was like, you know what? I don't usually do like the whole IGTV thing live when doing a podcast, like when I'm doing it by myself, because I don't know why, like if I'm just doing it by myself and I look at how many people downloaded it and like 300 to 500 people downloaded a day, I'm like, Oh, I don't care what they hear me say, but something about having that camera in front of my face and I don't have it on now, but having it there and seeing the stupid comments. So yesterday I start the podcast by saying, Hey guys, I just wanted to say like early on, I feel super awkward when I have that thing recording. And I was like, and like I was saying it to the camera too. It was like, this is like a step for me. I don't know why I just don't like doing this live. Yeah. And I start getting comments like you fat ass. (laughs) And like that I got comments like, gosh, you got a, big old double chin and like all of these comments about my weight and I'm just sitting here like trying to talk through the stuff that I was talking about (laughs) and I'm like great sure I'm gonna do that again I'm glad we can come together at this time of social distancing and lift each other up you know (laughs) it feels good oh they're just trying to encourage me to lose some weight during this social distancing (laughs) just trying to make you better you know you got you got a good fan base (laughs) uh loyal followers that's amazing that's amazing (laughs) thank you brady we really appreciate it we love you very much hey can't wait until next week i love being here and i don't know who your followers are but i love you all as well yay (laughs) bye everyone if you guys uh could do me a big favor if you really like this one share it give a little likey likey Uh, maybe write a little comment 
and say, I love Brady. And uh, that'd be great. Have a great day. Bye.